Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. So today we're continuing our series on the good life. Thad uh, started this series off last week talking about how God has, he, he wants what's best for us. He cares about it. He loves us. He wants to bless us. And he wants to give us this good life. And last week that explained that that's countercultural, that this life that God wants, this good life that God has for us, doesn't look like the good life that the world might say. It might not look the exact same. It, it involves more generosity and in, in inward blessing than outward blessing. Um, and it's more focused on our character than it is on uh, what we have. Uh, but today we're talking about abundance, that we serve a God a God that has abundant blessings and wants to dole them out on us. And um, like many things in my life, when I study the Bible, this is one that kind of goes back and forth in the Bible. Um, I, I've, I've studied the Bible. I, my degree is in biblical studies, so I spent four and a half years studying. It was only supposed to be four, um, but I, it, it takes me a little longer than some, some people. So, um, But I studied the Bible, and I, I looked through it, and, and there are moments where you look into the Bible and it seems almost contradictory. Like there's moments where, for instance, it talks about how Jesus sets us free, right? Sets us free from sin and we have freedom in Christ. Uh, But then Paul calls himself a slave. And so we have this idea of freedom and slavery and they seem contradictory, but uh, we understand that the grace that Jesus gives us is so magnificent, so wonderful. It demands our service and our, our servant-heartedness. And so um, you see, on the outset, those seem contradictory, but they're not. Same thing with Jesus. Is he God? Is he man? They're well, both. He's both of those things. Or do we have free will? Or does God work into our lives? And, and is he in control? Um, both of those things uh, somehow are true. And more often than not, what I find is that when I'm struggling to understand something in the Bible, uh, the problem isn't the Bible, the problem is me. I, I just don't have the ability to understand that. So this is another one of those topics that I've wrestled with because the Bible seems to be back and forth on it. Uh, does God want us to have a lot? Does God want us to be blessed? Does God want us to have prosperity and security and wealth? Well, let's take a look. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Sounds pretty good. We honor God. He blesses us. This is awesome. Sweet. Uh, but let's take a look at Luke twelve fifteen. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So God wants to bless us and give us abundance. And then Jesus says, so, you know, don't watch out. This is a warning. Don't let your life consist of what you have. Don't let your value be found in what you own and what you uh, possess. So it seems kind of contradictory. How about Deuteronomy 30.10? The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous, just as he delighted in your ancestors, if you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law and the Lord, and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So God wants to bless his people. This is after uh, the whole Deuteronomy, the book of the law, and Moses is saying to the people, I, Honor the Lord, follow the law, and he will bless you. He, will, he wants to make you prosperous, just as he made your ancestors. But a chapter later, Deuteronomy 31.20, when I have brought them into the land, this is God talking, I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised to them, that's why it's called the promised land, 
on oath to their ancestors, and when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. Saying that, yes, I want to bless you, but that blessing's going to corrupt your minds and you're going to turn away from me. Okay. And that's just a chapter, that's just a chapter apart. How about Malachi 3.10? Let's get uh, a prophet's perspective. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's the church. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. God's saying, if you, you test me through the prophet Malachi, if you test me and bring the tithe into the storehouse, you trust in the Lord that he provided for you, so you in turn honor that with your tithe. He will bless you so much that you won't even have enough room to store it. But James 2.5, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? So it's the poor, the poor that will be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom of, that he promised. So God wants to bless, he wants to honor, test him in this, and he will bless you, but it's the poor on, in the eyes of the world that will be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom. Well, let's leave, see what Jesus says, Matthew six twenty six. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus is saying, look at the birds and, and the fact that they have everything that they're provided. They, they need provided for them. God takes care of them. And aren't you more valuable than them? God will provide for you. He'll take care of you. You can trust in that and believe in that. We have a good God that is taking care of you. But two chapters later, Jesus also says to a man that comes to him and says, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to be one of your disciples. And Jesus says in Matthew eight twenty, Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Saying that if you follow me, yes, of course you have a God that will provide for you, but if you follow me, guess what? I'm homeless. I'm, I'm going from place to place, caring for other people, and I've given up the comforts of a home and a comfortable bed. And if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you the same. Let's see, hear what Solomon has to say. He's wise. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will be richly blessed. Awesome. All you've got to be do is faithful and he'll be richly blessed. But one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. That's the same verse. The same verse in the Bible says God wants to bless someone richly, but at the same time, someone that's focused and determined to get rich will not go unpunished. And notice in that passage, he doesn't say they won't be successful. He says that they will not go unpunished. Now, if you've grown up in Sunday school, you probably have an answer to this. Your answer might be, well, God's talking about spiritual blessings. He's not talking about physical blessings. It's not about wealth and prosperity. It's talking about just the, you know, ooh, I feel good in my heart. You know, that's, that's nothing wrong with that, but there's just that, that's the idea, that we're spiritual blessings, not physical blessings. Well, I'd argue, first of all, those passages clearly talk about physical blessings. Those passages are talking about vats being overflowing and storehouses being filled up. It's talking about physical, material things that God will bless if you honor him and trust in him. And the other thing is, even though we might say that as Christians, even though that might be the Christian answer, we don't really believe that. We don't really think that. At least I don't. I know that uh, all the time I'm looking at my circumstances and wondering what the heck God's up to. Sometimes 
Uh, and I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'll catch myself in my prayers at night and I'll start to pray to God. Hey, God, I want this. I want that. I want this. Help me with this. Please help me with that. They're all, most of them are pretty good, not selfish, but it's still me going before God, asking him for everything that I want instead of asking him what he wants. And so that, that, that caused the rifts in my, in my relationship with God because I'm getting so focused on everything that I want God to do for me. And then uh, I get frustrated when God doesn't do what I want. Like, what the heck? This is, we had to deal. Huh? You know, I serve you, you do what I want. Now, that's how it works. That's not how it works. Please don't run away with that. Um, but yeah, and I, I recognize that I get frustrated. And, and I'm, I'm one that talks about it all the time, that our circumstances shouldn't, you, you shouldn't look at your circumstances to determine your relationship with God. You should look how you respond to your circumstances. That's how you can tell you're doing with your relationship with God. If you're having a bad day, that's not necessarily a sign that God's frustrated with you. It might be, but it's not necessarily the telltale sign. What is the telltale sign of you and, and a friction in your relationship with God is when you respond to that bad day by being horrible to everyone. That might be a good sign. And another reason why I know that we as Christians don't really believe that it's just that there's no physical blessing in this is because I've never heard this phrase. Never once heard this phrase. My life is going so amazing right now. I need to work on my relationship with God. Never once heard that. I have heard many, many times, everything's going horrible. I need to talk to God. I need to work on this. And so there, there clearly is in our mind, and I don't think it's necessarily wrong in and of itself, this connection between what we have, what God's doing in our life, how he's blessing us, and our relationship with God, how, how well we're doing with him. And again, I don't think that that's in and of itself wrong. We as Christians will shy away from that because of this prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel, that you come to Jesus because you need to work on attaining more wealth, more security, more prosperity, and that's the goal. That's the point. Uh, And there is a lot of people that buy into that. But the truth is that there is some truth in that. There is is some truth in, in the idea that if we trust in the Lord, if we follow him, I mean, these Bible verses clearly point to that, that he will provide for us. He will take care of us, and not just what we need, but more than that. Um, and so what I see out of Proverbs twenty-eight twenty, what that verse points to is that it's not that God won't bless you. It's not that prosperity is a bad thing. It's not that wealth's a bad thing, and you shouldn't be wanting to pursue it. It's just that that can't be the point. That shouldn't be the main point of your relationship with God. If you're, in, if you're here on Sunday working on your relationship with I, I hope you are, that's why you're here, then that can't be the point. That can't be the point of why you talk to God. That can't be the point of why you serve God. That can't be the point of why you fellowship with other believers, that you're trying to attain wealth, that that's the whole reason you're here. But if you are here to serve God and grow in your relationship with God, I believe that that can be a side effect of it a good thing that happens, and you can use that for, his, for glory. I'll give you an example of this. So wherever you start, this is poverty, right? This is where we start. And some of us are more poor than others in the beginning, um, but we all start somewhere, right? And some of us go immediately backwards. <laughs> College and, and student loan debt, yeah, that's me. Um, but we start somewhere, and our goal is to move forward towards wealth, towards prosperity, towards security. That's the... That's the mature, that's the right response, that's the, um, 
responsible way to live your life, to attain more. And maybe you have noble goals in that. You know, you, you want to leave money behind for your family so that they don't struggle. You want to uh, just have your family feel secure so that you know that if times get tough, you can provide for them, right? You, you're, you have noble goals in your mind. But your, your end goal is to attain some kind of something, whether that be wealth, security, power, influence, whatever you're looking for. You want to get over here and your, your life is orchestrated that. But imagine this is where your relationship with God comes in, that he's up there somewhere. And even though you may have achieved your goal of getting wealth and security, you've not gotten any closer to God. You took the blessings that he's given you, whatever those were, large or small, and each opportunity, instead of being generous and giving back, you moved forward and took it for yourself and kept it for yourself. And again, maybe you made it. Maybe you succeeded but you still never got anywhere closer to God. But imagine it goes a little differently. And maybe this is how your life is working out. I know that I've experienced this. But God gives you blessings in your life, whether that's early on or along the way. Someone comes along and large or small, they help pay for your college, they give you a suit so you can go to an interview, they buy you a meal. Whatever that small or large act of blessing that God provided in your way you decide to, instead of keep it for yourself, instead of keeping that suit for yourself just in case you need it again, instead of uh, taking that meal and sharing it with someone else or passing that blessing on to somebody else by paying for someone else's meal or doing something else nice for someone else, instead of using that college degree that someone helped you get and uh, pursuing a life that blesses others, you pursue it for yourself and your own selfish gain. If instead you choose to bless others. You choose to give that suit away. You choose to pass that meal on. And instead, you don't, you know, you don't get farther along the wealth track like you could have. You could have held on to everything and, and, uh, and been farther along in, in your prosperity goal. But instead, you were generous. And you don't get farther along that way, but you get a little closer to God. You grow in your relationship with him and you grow closer to him in likeness because he's a generous God and he wants you to be generous like him. And so then he gives you another blessing and, and you honor it by giving back. And another blessing and you honor it by giving back. And you're moving forward still. You're still moving forward. Not as far as you could have, but you're getting closer to God. You're growing in your relationship with him. You're becoming more like him because he's a generous God and you're becoming a generous person. Every blessing that you're giving, you're giving to others. You're blessing others. It's kind of cool preaching up here. I like this. Oh, this is what I've experienced in my life, that uh, I was blessed. I was really blessed with a good family that loved me. And uh, we didn't necessarily have a lot. You know, my dad's a pastor, so he didn't make a lot of money and didn't have uh, a lot. We had more than some, for sure. I never went hungry. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for all that God blessed me with. But I, I have this, this great family that loved me really well. And then I, I was in youth ministry, in the youth ministry myself, and I met other kids like me, and uh, they didn't have the same blessings that I had. They didn't have the same family. And then later on, I would get involved in youth ministry by becoming a, a volunteer, a leader. And I'd, I'd meet more kids that had, uh, they didn't have what I had. They didn't grow up with I, what I grew up with. They didn't know where their meals were going to come from and their value from their families was told them that they just, they fought over them just for the money they would get from the government to take care of them. And I saw kids like this and I met them and I thought, you know, what right do I have? 
You know, what right do I have to get, have the blessing that I had as a growing up and see that other people didn't have that? What right do I have not to help? If I could give at least a little bit of the love that I had been given to them in any way, shape, or form, then how could I not do that? I think this is illustrated really well when Jesus shares the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. He talks about a master that leaves his servants and he doles out these blessings to uh, his servants as he leaves. And he gives them all different proportions, but he says, here, take this and, and do something with it. And two of them go and double his money. They go invest, they're bold, and they get a return on their investment and they have it doubled. And so when the master returns, he said, look, I did this. And so he lets them keep it. Yeah, good job. But to the one that had the least, and notice it's the one that had the least, and notice why he didn't do it. He says, I returned this because I was afraid. I was afraid to lose it. I was afraid to use it. It might feel a little more comfortable when that, if, if you thought, oh, that person was selfish. Oh, they were selfish, kept it for themselves. But no, it's because he was afraid. That's why he didn't use the talent that he was given. That's why he didn't use the blessing that the master had given him to do something good. And so that talent is taken from him, given to the one that has a lot. And Jesus is illustrating this point that those that honor God and use the blessings that God had given them to bless others, to use them to be fruitful and and make a difference, those are the ones he's going to give more to. And I've seen that. Like I said, I was blessed with a lot, and I started doing youth ministry. I started to dole out love to everyone that I can get it. Be as helpful as I can. Be as kind as I can, just like my parents taught me. And you know what God does? He puts more good people in my life that love me. Sneaky, you know? (laughs) Gives me more. Gives me more blessings. You know, I moved here two and a half years ago leaving all of those blessings, that was tough. It was a tough decision, but I felt like this is where God wanted me to be. Two weeks it took for God to fill my life up with good people. Two weeks for me to make lifelong friends that love and support me and come around inside me. Two weeks. And what do I do with that? Well, now I've got this huge support system back in California, and now I've got an awesome support system here. God continues to love me, so what am I going to do? I'm going to love back. And what does God do? He gives me a fiance. All right, cool. Yeah, I know, right? Thank you. I know, some of you guys didn't think it could happen, but it did. She's awesome. She loves me. She supports me. And so now what do I got to do? I got to give back. I got to keep giving. And he's just going to keep blessing me. And I'm going to keep blessing others. And we're no different. Like, you're not going to handle anything different. If you are in charge of a business and you have two employees, one's not really doing very much and one's working really hard, giving you a great return on your investment, that's the one you're going to promote. That's the one you're going to give more responsibility and opportunity to. And same thing with God. Same thing with us. If we're honoring the blessings in our life, he's going to give more to us and we're going to climb this ladder and we're not just going to attain the wealth and security and get nowhere closer to him. We're going to grow closer to him and get wealth and security. And one of the cool things about that is on, on one side, you know, whether you're prosperous or you're not, you, you'll start to become like Paul in Philippians chapter four when he says, you know, I've had a lot and I've, I've had a little, but it didn't matter. It doesn't matter because guess what? My goal is the gospel. And so when God wants to bless me, I bless others. And when God doesn't give me very much, other people bless me. And it doesn't matter. We all work together to further the gospel, and that's the main goal. That's the whole point. And so it doesn't matter where we're at. 
but it's just this cool idea that we can trust in the Lord, that we put our faith in him instead of ourselves, that instead of clinging tightly to all that we have, we give it freely because we understand that first God gave it to us in the first place. And we're willing to give it back if he needs it, if he wants to use it in some way. And we're generous with that. We're open-handed with his blessing and we're furthering the gospel. We're furthering everything that he's called us to. And then we can trust in him that he will provide. He'll provide what we need. We're not trusting in ourselves. We're not trusting in our own ability to provide for our own needs. We're trusting in God to provide for our needs. I, I, I do think we have a God, an abundant God, that wants to give us a good life, and that does often include material wealth. But it's never the point. It's never the point. Um, hopefully, hopefully you're, you're with me on this. Hopefully you, you're tracking with me. That this is, I don't have to explain this too much more, but that's, that's what I see. That's what I've experienced in my life. I see it in Scripture, and I see it in my own life, that as I'm blessed with what God has blessed me with, um, I, I bless others, and then he blesses me more, and then so on and so forth. And not only have I, am I richly blessed in my life, but I'm also really close to God, and I'm a more generous person. So how do we do that, though? How do we live that out? How do we make that our goal? Well, first, tithe. That's the first step. I don't need to harp on it too long, but I'll share some thoughts. One, it's pretty clear. God's waiting to bless you. He loves to bless you, but he's calling you to honor him and, and trust in him and believe in him. He's calling you to recognize where your blessings come from. He's calling you not to make money or wealth or security your God. He's telling you to trust in him and, and rely on his providence, not your own, not your own understanding, but trust in his plans. And if you do that, he will bless you. He will honor you. That's what all those verses pointed to. So tithe. If you're not tithing, tithe. That's, that's just a real quick, simple step to keep God in his place and not money. The second thing uh, is to work generosity in your life. Work generosity into your life. This is proactive, not reactive. What I mean by that is a lot of us, all of you, are probably really good people that if someone came to you and says, I have a desperate need, you will help them. I believe that. I've seen that. I've seen that in this church when Thad comes up here with a new need that he says, hey, I, I talk to these people and they have a need. And I've seen you guys come through with flying colors every time. You're, you're generous people. I, I know that. But what if we worked to be proactive instead of reactive? What if it's not just Thad looking for the needs and it's all of us? This year, um, along with getting married, I'm getting to be a part of a new family. And one of those includes Sean. He's my future brother-in-law. Uh, you might know him. He's the tall ginger guy. He's sitting right somewhere right there. He is. Uh, he, he's the one that has the wife that's too good looking for him. Yeah. Don't worry. He taught me his ways and now I, I'm going to have a wife that's too good looking for me. It's pretty good. Uh, thanks for that too, Sean. Mm -hmm. But, uh, one of the things that he had, he, he's going through a transition this, or this past year, he got an opportunity to work for a new company called Thrivent. And they're a financial planning company, um, and so they, they work with people to help meet their financial goals and get out of debt, do everything else, and help them in their lives to be healthy uh, financially. And uh, so obviously, you know, 
new brother-in-law, he comes to me and says, I need to work on my client base. I was like, sure, absolutely. Uh, I'd, I'd love to become more responsible and stop spending all my money on video games. It's probably a good idea. Um, but he comes in and, and I meet with them and I found one of the core tenets of Thrive and they're a Christian organization is that they want to work generosity into your life too. They don't just want to help you become healthy financially. They want you to become healthy spiritually too by working generosity in your life. It's not so, there, that there's not just the, how much do you want to save? How much do you need to spend on this, that, or the other thing? And how much do you want to give? And it's not just tithe. This is an over and above offering. How much do you want to give of what God has given to you to other people that need it? And what I liked about that, what, what I liked about the idea of that was that it wasn't just money that I set aside just in case there's a need. It's money that I set aside with a responsibility to give it away. That at the end of the year, if I've saved up that money and no one came to collect it or ask for it or need it, I don't get to keep it and buy myself something fun. No, I have to give that away. I set it aside to be generous. And so by the end of the year, I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to give that away. And now I have the responsibility to do that. That's working generosity into your life. That is part of your goal. Your financial goal isn't just to save up this much money and feel more secure. Part of my financial goal is to give money away. And I have the responsibility to do that. John's information is on those pages if you want to talk to him about it. Another thing is uh, Good Deeds Mortgage. They're a, a business here in Pullman. And they do mortgages and um, Christian people, and they, their goal is to give away money. Uh, and their main goal, if you ask them, all of them, they want their business to be so profitable they can give away a million dollars. And what I mean by that isn't like they're saving up money until they can give a million dollars away. No, I mean every year they're giving away more and more and more of their profit margin. And they're trying to build their business and make it bigger and bigger, not so that they can pad their pocketbooks or, or attain more wealth for themselves, but so that they can give more away. That's working generosity into their business. That they, they want to progress, they want to move forward and become more successful, but with the goal of giving a million dollars away. Another example of this is uh, our senior pastor, Thad. Hey, guys, guess what? We have a building permit. We can start construction on that building. I'm really excited about this, but a lot of you guys didn't get to see the behind the scenes of the planning for this building. And I'll tell you something that I've seen. I've seen Thad time and time again argue that our building should not just serve you. And I know that might sing, I'm the tax, or I'm the taxpayer. <laughs> I'm the tither. <laughs> Let's not compare tithe and taxes. I'm the tither. I, I'm the tither. It should serve me. I want to be served. I, you know, I, I want a comfy chair. I want, I want nice, cool lights and a smoke machine and lasers and whatever else. Whatever else that's awesome. But Thad's been arguing over and over again that he would feel like such a failure and our building would not be serving its purpose if it only served us. If it only we use it on Sundays and the rest of the week it collects dust. He built into the plan and he argues over and over again that he wants to see people in there every day of the week. He wants anybody that needs anything to come there and, and use that building for whatever purpose we can use it for. I think it's awesome. It, it, I hope you understand the awesomeness of that, that you have leadership in this church that's not looking just to serve you, but to serve the community, to use your tithe money to bless others, not just you. I'm grateful. I'm, per, I'm personally grateful that I, I'm working for a church like that. 
And so I've been getting to see, as, as we've been planning that out and seeing how we as a church are modeling that generosity. We've been working it into the plan that we are not building a building for our own sake or for our own purposes, but we're building it for the purpose of being generous so that it can be better used for our community and better glorify God. That's how you work generosity in your life. It's proactive, not reactive. Number three, change your mindset from scarcity to abundance. This is, this is where I'm going to give you some homework. Uh, go home. You can write this on your, on your notes or whatever you want to do. Go to YouTube and, and look at uh, the Bible Project, or you can go to their website too. Type in the Bible Project and generosity and watch that video. It's only like six, seven minutes. It's awesome. It's really good. But it really explains this idea that we have an abundant God that's looking out for us and wants to bless us. Do you recognize that? How, that that's the countercultural thing Dad was talking about last week, that we have this God that's looking out for us. We have this God that promises us that he will provide for us. And we, who are Christians that believe in that, should let that affect the way we think, the way we act, the way we do things. It should change your life, that knowledge that God is abundant and he is looking to bless you, that he's looking to provide for you if you honor him. That should change you. That should change your perspective on things. The rest of the world is in the mindset of scarcity where there's only so much to go around and if you have something, I don't have that thing. And so we fight, we scrape, we, we work our way and we, we push others out of the way to get what we want. That's what the world's all about. But we as Christians understand that God created everything and he will bless us because he can do whatever he wants. There's no shortage. There's no running out. There's no lack of anything. God can bless and provide everything. We who believe in that, we who trust in that God and believe in that God should be able to live our lives that way and, and change our mindset from one of scarcity like the rest of the world to one that, yeah, we have a God of abundance and I can give anything and trust that he will provide and take care of me. One of the things that I've noticed in this, well, actually two things I've noticed in this. I have never been stressed when I'm, uh, I've never been stressed when I'm grateful I'm never anxious when I'm generous. When I'm being grateful, when I'm focusing on all the things that God has blessed me with in my life, when I'm recognizing all the things that I look around and God has done this, that, or the other thing, I'm not stressed. Why? Because even though there's things in my future that I don't know how we're going to get through it, I've seen all the things in my past and I know that God got me through that. And I'm grateful for every single one of them. I'm grateful for all the blessings. I'm grateful for everything around me. I'm not looking at all the problems. I'm looking at all the blessings that God has provided. I'm not stressed. Now, that's not saying I'm, I mean, I ever get stressed. I forget sometimes the blessings and I get stressed all the time. I'm still a human being. But I'm also never anxious when I'm generous. When I'm looking to see what I can give, I'm not worried about what I'm getting. I'm not constantly freaking out about that I don't have enough. I'm looking to what I can give and see other people that need help and that I can provide that help. And I'm not anxious anymore when I'm being generous, when I'm doing what my mom taught me and what God taught me to be generous and give freely. I'm not anxious. So I just encourage you in that. Be, be grateful and be generous and see what that does for your life. Now, this doesn't mean when you walk out of the store, everything's going to be perfect. Like it's, God's not promising perfection or that everything's going to be easy. He's not promising always that there's going to be, you're going to have like this crazy, everything's going to be perfect every day. But it does mean this, that when things are tough, 
when you're nervous, you're relying on him, not yourself. Because you trusted in him. You honored him. You, you, you tithed. You were generous. And, and the God that promised that he will provide for you and take care of you, he, it, now it's his turn. And you can say, hey, I did my part. I did my part. When you gave me that opportunity, I took it. I didn't hold on selfishly. I didn't break your promise. I didn't break the covenant. I, I, I honored what you called me to do. And now it's God's turn to bless you and honor his side of the covenant. That's a good place to be. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.